This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycle. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to Faster. This is a, a new platform for us. We're using a new uh, company called Riverside FM. So we're going to have a new video that goes out with each podcast. So super excited about that. Um, St. Patrick's Day today, so I'm wearing green. Uh, Vermont Gravel, guys out uh, in Vermont Gravel. These guys are doing some great things out there. So if you're around, you might want to check those guys out. Um, this is a cool episode. We're going to do a recap. Um, talk about Clash Miami and what our involvement was at Clash Miami. And uh, I actually shot some cool content out there. And uh, I'm going to have a YouTube video that's going to talk about that. I'll have a link uh, in the show notes. So you guys can definitely check that out. Uh, first of all, congrats to Jason West and Lucy Byram for their wins out at Clash uh, Miami. Uh, uh, super cool event. I was out in Clash Daytona in December of this year. Now, for you, those of you that don't know, we have a team called the Flow Factory Team, and it is managed by a group um, called Peak Athletic Collective. Uh, uh, former pro uh, AJ Bacow, um, Aaron over there, and Brent, uh, they do an awesome awesome job of, of team management, uh, for us and for a number of other groups. So we went out to clash Miami or sorry, clash Daytona in December and I ended up meeting, um, Alicia Kay, who is a, also a former pro Canadian, uh, and she now works for, for clash. Um, to make a long story short, about three weeks ago, I got a random phone call from a friend of mine, Brent over at peak athletic collective who I've known for years. And he said, Hey, uh, I was talking to Alicia and they're looking for somebody to do what they're calling a wheel pit. Um, now, those of you who aren't familiar with the Clash Endurance Series, what they do is they have a swim sort of in a speedway. So uh, Daytona is one, and then Miami is another. They have like a like a lake pond kind of thing in the middle of these NASCAR speedways. Um, Clash is, a, is basically owned by or started by um, uh, the NASCAR group. Um, so it's a, it's a very cool... Um, interesting triathlon scene. So what you do is you get in, you get in the water, you swim, and then they come out and they basically cycle around, um, the NASCAR track. And sometimes this, in this course in Miami in particular, there are some turns and things like that. Um, but a lot of it is actually done on the NASCAR surface, which is actually a, a really uh, fascinating thing. So their idea was because, because it's basically a loop type course was that they wanted to have like a pit stop. If a pro or somebody that was in a race had a flat uh, or any type of mechanical issue, they could pull into the pit. So we created uh, something with them. Uh, and over the short couple of weeks, I was able to get some stuff out there. I got myself out there and we created the flow wheel pit. So luckily, which is which is good, you never want to see anybody have any issues. We had a, we had a bunch of zeros on the both men's, women's, and their inaugural uh, red line relay race. Nobody needed any any maintenance. But we were there set up and it was a cool thing. Uh, while I was there, I actually got some time to um, shoot some content with Clash. We did a, a sponsored or promoted, not promoted, or like a, a collaborative post 
talking about races like Clash that are on a surface like the Miami Speedway, the Homestead Miami Speedway, or in Daytona. Um, and it's kind of it's it's interesting, and I want to talk about it here on this podcast today because I think it's something for a lot of people to consider if you're ever looking at doing a uh, Clash race or even any race really. Uh, we talk a lot about rolling resistance recently, a lot about vibration and management, tire size, tire pressure. Um, and what's very unique about a, a place like Homestead is a number of things, but let's first start with the, the actual surface of the road. So most of the time when you're out riding on your bike and we look at pressures, we, we want to understand the surface conditions of the road. How rough is it? And most pavement is really kind of going to be in like that medium grade. It's not really new. It's not really that beat up, but, um, so we kind of, as a rule of thumb, going to go with medium for most courses. What's very unique about a, a course like Homestead and these NASCAR tracks is that it's really rough. Now the video that I shoot, I shot for the YouTube video, you guys can check it out. I actually have my hand right down there. We've got the wheels on the ground. You can see it, how, how rough it is. It's almost like it's an exposed aggregate concrete. If anybody knows what that is, it's like this, you know, parts of the aggregate, the stone, the, the, the um, gravel that's in the asphalt is, is, is there. And they do that for very specific reasons for the NASCAR. So as they're moving and they're going around that track, what they have is they need to ensure that they're going to have grip. And so they have a rougher surface. So it's so rough, in fact, that when we were looking at it and we were kind of grading what the surface was, we were looking at dropping most people's tire pressure around 10 PSI. Um, and the reason for that is because as you get rougher, um, as you're, as you're moving your, your bike and your wheel over those surfaces, um, you're having to respond or react to adjust to the, the actual bumps that go up and down. Again, let's just do a quick recap of, of why we want to set our pressures lower. So the main thing that you want to consider is that when you are pedaling and you're putting Watts into the pedals, you want those Watts to be moving you forward. So when you tire pressure is too high, something it, it impacts something called what's the casing tension. And so as the casing tension goes up, you are creating a smaller and smaller contact patch, which basically if you take a tire and you put it on the ground and you sit on the bike, there's a flat section on the bottom. That's called the contact patch. Now, as that contact patch gets small enough and the tension in that, in that tire gets high enough, as you start to hit these small imperfections in the surface of the road, you start to bounce. So when you bounce, that's energy that's being used to move you up and down as opposed to move you forward. Now, as we bring that tire pressure down and we make a larger contact patch and we lower the casing tension in the tire, what it allows us to do is opposed to bounce over those bumps, it allows us to actually move over them smoothly. Kind of like a, think of a giant beach ball that's kind of flat, that's rolling. Well, it's not going to bounce. It just kind of rolls over anything. Now it's much smaller scale, but we want to, we want to consider that when we're setting our tire pressures. So because the surface at these tracks is so rough, um, we do definitely want to consider that and, and bring those tire pressures down much lower. Um, now, another thing we want to point out is that when you get to that point where you start to bounce, it's called something that's called the impedance breakpoint. Um, the impedance breakpoint is important because once you go above that, when your tire pressure is too high, your tire pressure is much more important because for every PSI that you're over, you're basically losing one watt. If you're lower though, so if you're like two or three PSI too low, 
it's not the same. It's, you're not losing watts that way. It's a much flatter curve when you're looking at how it impacts the rolling resistance. So what's important, especially in a course like this, is to get into people's minds that we do definitely need to bring those pressures down because of the surface conditions and how rough it is. Now, another very interesting thing about a track like, especially Homestead, is that it is so far south. We had a gun on the course out there and the surface tension or temperature of the track was 136 degrees. So that is like extremely hot. Um, rule of thumb is that for every 10 uh, degrees Fahrenheit that you increase the temperature, you, the change in the tire pressure in your tire is going to go up by about 2%. Now I have a blog article about that. I talk about the math and show how that all works. But what you need to understand is you need to consider how you're airing up your tires and when and when you're doing that. Now, a lot of people, what they'll do is if they're going into a transition for a race or they're trying to get things set up, they're not really going to have maybe all the pumps or everything that they need in transition. Maybe they have a hand pump, but maybe they've traveled with a race to like a, like a floor pump or something like that. So what they do is they'll be in their hotel. You might be at like, you know, everyone generally gets to a hotel. They set that air temperature down like 65 because you can, you know, it's, it's cool. So they air up in the temperature. Tires are cold, air temperature is cold. And so you set that, that up that, that, uh, pressure at that lower temperature. Now, when you get into the race or you put your bike in the transition and things start to heat up throughout the day, if the sun is baking on that, we could go from a 65 degree temperature up to 135, 136 degree temperature, which you're looking at a 70, you know, Fahrenheit change. Um, if your tire pressure is too 70 degree Fahrenheit change, if your tire pressure is already too high, um, if you've ever been around transition and you start hearing things pop, um, that's because basically things are starting to explode because you're looking at that 2% increase for, you know, every 10 degrees. So considering a 14% increase on a already uh, tire that has tire pressure that's already too high, um, that's something that you definitely need to consider. So what we recommend, and we did this when we did all the rolling resistance protocol for the AS and gravel lines that we did when we worked with UNLV. Um, if you're interested in that, we have a, a podcast on that too, talking about that whole protocol. But there was a very specific protocol that we followed to try and lock in um, tire pressure before we actually went out and and then tested at tire pressures to measure rolling resistance on the road. The first thing is, is that you get out, we, we gun the road to make sure we knew what the temperature was. We gun the surface temperature of the tire itself. We knew the air temperature. And then what we would do is we would air up and we would go out and we'd go do a bunch of laps. So the intent of doing a bunch of laps is that you are actually warming up the rubber um, and you're getting yourself as close to what your temperatures, also internally of, of the internal temperature of the rubber and everything like that, and surface temperature and air temperature, as close as possible to what you're going to have when you're actually doing the, the 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 ride itself. So we would go around, we would do a bunch of loops, and then we would come back and we would reset temperature or pressure based on those conditions. So we, you know categorized everything, took everything down, made sure that we had all those measurements. And what we noticed is that even doing something like that, our pressure change over the course that we were running was ex was very, very minimal because we had taken those things into consideration. So we weren't seeing those big giant swings in um, in pressure or temperature, which, which actually ultimately in, in, uh, influences your pressure. So what we recommend is if you know it's the day before, if you can kind of get out, temperatures generally are hopefully going to be roughly the same day to day. Hopefully there's not going to be massive drops, but if you can get out, leave your bike outside, maybe for a little bit, let it get in the sun, get it warmed up around that time, go for a few laps, 
you can kind of get yourself set or even before the race, if you have some time in the morning to get out, do a few laps, um, tire pressure can change overnight. So we do definitely want to be careful of that. Um, but we want to consider being as close to race time as possible, doing those warm ups and getting things as close to what your temperature that you're going to race at so that you're setting that pressure. If you're unable to do that, if that's something that's not, uh, that you're not capable of doing, you can always work the math. So if you know that you're going to be inside, temperature is going to be cold, and you're going to anticipate a higher temperature the day before, you can set a lower pressure knowing that as things heat up, your pressure will increase, but you've already accounted for that in the change. Tires and the temperature of tires increases pretty rapidly. So it's not like you are going to have to say, hey, you know, 90% of my race, I was just warming up the tires and you know, what's that temperature? That happens pretty quickly. So you can you can kind of not worry about that. You'll you'll take care of that, that in the beginning. Um, when you think of a track too, like this, there is a very unique shape to a track. It's like a giant velodrome. So uh, aerodynamics are always important. I'm not going to say that they're not important because they are. And if you're not on an aero wheel, then well, you just need to be on one because that's ultimately what needs to happen. But what's unique about an oval track like that is that as you go around, considering two things, if you are in the wind, if you are able to access the wind, because a lot of these courses have big walls around the track, so you are not influenced or impacted by the wind the same. So it's it's calmer. It's like almost more like a, it's not an indoor track because there still is airflow. I mean, you can you can even hear it in some of the videos that there's airflow. We're more local in the middle of the track. But the point is, is that airflow is different. The second thing is that if you do are picking up wind, what you get is you sort of get this canceling effect because as you go around one direction, Let's say on one side of the track, you're in a headwind. Well, as you come back the other side, if the wind is in the same direction, you're basically in a tailwind. So it's kind of a balance. It's not like you're really riding in a headwind or a tailwind. You're riding in kind of a, a, a balance of all of that. So again, aerodynamics are important, but it's different because it's almost like riding in zero um, relative velocity because you can account for both backside and headwinds and tailwinds and and sum all of those up. So because of that, what we want to consider is how do we optimize our rolling resistance as much as possible? Because we know we're not going to be in any sort of consistent steady headwind that is going to really want us to accommodate for aerodynamics. So what you generally want to do is be on the widest tire possible, A, for your wheel and B, for your frame. Now, most tires, um, are going to be the limiting factor on most frames. So frames for, especially for tri bikes and road bikes are limited by the amount of clearance that you have in the front fork and the rear triangle. So while any wheel can generally take, I mean, you can put a mountain bike tire on a road wheel, it will work, but it won't fit in the frame. So you're limited by that. So one good thing that you can always know and understand is what is the maximum tire size that I can have on my frame? Once you start from there, you can then start to look at the wheel that you have and say, okay, there is a, you generally want to have something that is optimized for the aerodynamically for the shape of your rim. So for us, for our AS line, it is the 28 mil tire size. So that's kind of optimized aerodynamically. Um, from a rolling resistance perspective it is also beneficial to be that wide because the wider we are with a tire, the better your rolling resistance. Now, the reason for that is because going back to the idea of a contact patch, when you have a narrow or skinny tire, you have 
a contact patch that ends up being longer. So it's longer because as you put that weight on, you don't have as much width. And so what, what has to happen is the, the distance of the contact patch from front to the back of the tire gets longer. So when you think of that on the surface, you have a long flat surface. When you have a wider tire, um, the, the area of the contact patch is the same, but because it's wider, your contact patch gets wider. So left to right in the tire and front to back gets shorter. Now think of somebody being on a pair of skis. If you're on a pair of skis, it's really easy to knock them over. If they're on their toes, you can knock them over really easily. So from a rolling resistance perspective, it's better to have a shorter contact patch because it allows us to have a lower pressure and have a wider, shorter contact patch, which makes the, the moment to basically get over that contact patch lower, which lowers the amount of effort and watts that we need to put in to turn that tire, it lowers the rolling resistance. So that's a, that's a very beneficial thing. Um, especially managing tire pressure, like I say, out at a course like like these NASCAR courses and getting them as low. So a 28 mil tire, a 32 mil tire, even on a, on a set of wheels is a very beneficial thing because we are really trying to manage that rolling resistance on these courses. Um, another very unique thing is a lot of times when you get into rough courses, rough tracks, you are really considering things like potholes or things like, uh, you know, cracks in the road that ultimately can lead to rim strikes. So if you are going around on a rough road, that's not like a, like a NASCAR track, generally you are, you want to manage your pressure where you bring it down enough, but you don't want to bring it too low because if you do hit a crack in the road or some sort of uh, pothole, if you bottom out your rim, you can actually cause rim damage. You can do a whole number of things. You can get a flat. There's a whole number of things that happen on a course like uh, the speedways is they are so well managed that there was a pothole that we found somewhere on the course, but it was so smooth. It was like professionally managed that you don't really consider these big bumps. So we have a very rough surface, but we're not worried about things like potholes or things like that. So you can get away with the lower and managing those pressures to ensure uh, that you're going to optimize your rolling resistance. Um, the final thing I'll say is that if you are going to do a race like this, um, definitely reach out to us. We have a bunch of charts and things like that. Uh, we're actually working on a calculator that's going to hopefully be out, uh, hopefully later this year. Um, it's going to help with things like this. But if you're wondering what the ideal uh, pressure is for your tires or what, what size you can get away with, um, we'll have a bunch of information like that. We can always help you with that. We also have our wheel one-on-ones. Um, uh, if you want to book some time, we can jump in. We just chat about things. It's about, a lot of times it's about wheel selection and what's best for people. Sometimes it's about setting up for a race, setting up for what your ideal tire pressure is. Uh, we are going to be doing some more branded content with um, Clash this year. I'll be out in Clash Daytona. Um, we're going to be doing some more stuff, so definitely check that out. Uh, follow those guys. Follow us if you want to check it out. Um, like I say, more YouTube content uh, is going to be coming out. We're going to be talking about more surfaces. I do plan on being out in Kona uh, probably in the next few weeks as the way it's looking down. I'm going to be doing some work on some, looking at some roads out there, kind of looking at that course and trying to understand the roughness and surface of that. So I'll have some content up about that as well. So um, definitely check that out. Um, cool things, exciting things happening. Um, very excited about this uh, work that we're doing with Clash. And they actually had a, a, a what's called their inaugural red line relay, which was a really cool thing. So it's kind of based on like, um, like Porsche races where they would do these like relays uh, and what they did is they had teams of four and they had to do 35 laps of the track. So I think it was 
just under two miles for each lap. So it was a, it took them about four hours and there were rules. So basically your guy could be out as long as possible and they could come in, you could change when they want. So they did that. It was a very fun race, uh, an interesting thing. And they're going to continue those. I believe there's going to be another one in Daytona. So if you guys are looking for uh, fun races this year, definitely check out clash. They're doing some cool things. Um, we're going to have a big party down again this year in Daytona for the peak athletic teams and also the flow factory team. Um, if you're curious about that, or want to check it out, definitely come in. Uh, you can meet me. I'll be there. And if you want to talk about being on one of the teams, um, definitely. We love having people on these teams. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, come in and check it out. Uh, thanks. Thanks for checking, tuning this in. Um, I'll have another podcast coming out here soon. We are going to have Lee McCormick coming on, which I'm super excited about. He is a master of bike handling skills. And we are going to be doing some more uh, content focusing on gravel. And there's a lot of triathletes and road cyclists that are moving into gravel. And some of those bike handling skills are maybe rusty or not quite developed for some of us roads slash dry guys. So we're going to talk to him and get some pointers and talk about through that. So looking forward to it. Uh, Everybody stay out safe out there and ride safe. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it leave a review, or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe.